Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Terry White, graduate of Harvard. Terry is the founder of Wallaco, an athletic clothing brand based out of New York. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Terry White of Wallaco. Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I want to start out with your childhood and your, and your younger years. Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? So I'm from Summit, New Jersey, um, suburb off of New York City, now living in New York City. And um, nice to be from close by to, to the city now, now living here. But yeah, I, I was very lucky. Grew up um, in, a, in, a, in a comfortable setting. Um, incredible parents, siblings, um, three siblings, uh, was very fortunate to go to private school, uh, in New Jersey for, for high school, um, a top kind of athletic, had a top athletic program and Mm -hmm. we'll talk a little bit more about it, but that for me, that was really big. It was kind of who I was as a, as a child and, uh, a young adult, uh, was just, always moving, looking for the next sport to play. Uh, yeah. I was very fortunate to go to good schools, but I always loved athletics. It was almost as though I went to school so that I could play sports. Gotcha. And specifically, you were mainly lacrosse. Did you do any other sports or was it lacrosse mainly? Yeah, lacrosse is where I, it was the pinnacle for me. Uh, that's okay. I played lacrosse in college, but you know, up until that point, it was anything I'd get my hands on, lacrosse, hockey, soccer, football, tennis, swimming. Um, yeah, you know, through middle school into early high school, it was hockey, football, lacrosse. And then eventually I uh, decided I was fortunate to be recruited to play lacrosse in college. And, um, you know, lacrosse is one of the sports that happens to be seated into a lot of the top universities in in the country and i always tell people if you're if your child is, is growing up playing a sport you know lacrosse is a good one to consider because you know it's it can be a decent decent window into a, a top university and i was fortunate to be recruited to harvard and wow. i played lacrosse there for four years awesome what was the experience like there uh you know i i loved i loved harvard for a lot of reasons um i think one was just the worldliness um and you know, the diversity of the student body, the intelligence of the student body. Yeah. And, you know, it was humbling. I, I, there's, there's this kind of Harvard, um, I, I don't even know what it is. It's just like a psychological stigma to some degree where a lot of the students, you almost don't feel like you belong there until, you, until the day that you graduate. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, oh, okay, sure. okay, maybe, you know, I, I, I just graduated and maybe I, <laughs> I did belong here. But, um, you know, it was, it was a great experience playing lacrosse there. Had a lot of really um, intelligent, um, ambitious teammates. And it was a really great mix between high-level athletics and being in, a, in a, an environment that really um, – was rooted in camaraderie mm-hmm. and uh and then you know obviously academia uh you know I, I i admittedly i actually struggled a bit early on and i had to kind of find my way within 
within the curriculum there. Um, and that was an important experience for me. Absolutely. What did you study at Harvard during this? So ultimately, I, I graduated with a degree in sociology. Okay. Um, but like, like I just said, that was actually something that I had to discover. Uh, yeah. I think going into it, a lot of people go to Harvard and they, you know, they are either want to be doctors or they want to work in finance. At least, at least that's what people tell you you should be doing. So as yeah. a result, Harvard actually makes those two kind of intro courses extremely difficult. Um, and I ended up taking economics uh, as a freshman and it just absolutely crushed me. Yeah. Um, almost failed the first semester and uh, being kind of the tough guy that I am. I didn't even have to take it again in the second semester, but it was like a two dual semester, like macroeconomics, microeconomics. Uh, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it again. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do, do a lot better and I'm gonna balance out my GPA mm-hmm. by, you know, making, getting an, an A minus to balance out the D. Uh, yeah. But what I found was it, it was just hard. And, uh, it just, I'm not, it just wasn't really a, a, a course that, that, that I was great at. And, um, it ended up kind of crushing me and coming out of that year, I realized, okay, I think I need to just find something that I, that I really genuinely like. For sure. So I started taking art history and, and I found sociology and sociology isn't a course that, that you take. It's not really a course that's offered at the high school level. So, um, I, I found it really interesting the blend between, Know, people, why they make the decisions that they do, uh, and 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 particularly how that merges with the economy and and um, just markets. So uh, I think it was a little bit of a precursor for where I ended up as an entrepreneur. Gotcha. When did you graduate from Harvard? Twenty twelve. Okay, and then out of this, what kind of previous jobs were you working prior? to Wallaco? Uh, it's <clears throat> a great question. So I, um, I mean, high school, you know, working in boat yards, you know, stocking shelves at a, at quick checks in New Jersey in the summer, uh, lifeguarding a little bit, but really nothing, nothing crazy. You know, I, again, they were fortunate that I didn't have to work. I did work because I wa- yeah. wanted the experience in high school. But um, a lot of my summers were filled with, with athletics and, and training and I was very fixated on, on my sport and, and performing at the highest level. So, um, but when I graduated, I actually took a job in real estate development uh, because, okay. because I, had some, I did have some internships throughout college where I, um, I worked in, in finance in New York City. And for me, where I, where I netted out on that. And I think, you know, Harvard lacrosse is a bit of a pipeline into that industry. So much so that so much so that the blinders kind of go up and it's tough to realize that there's anything else. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it sounds like a, it's like a, a good problem to have to some degree, but as a guy that's very, you know, creative and, and, and a bit of like an off the beaten path, sort of soul, uh, I was a little bit lost. And um, I had a summer experience where I just wasn't fulfilled. I didn't like, I didn't want to be one of the suits, you know, walk in the streets that just blends in with the sea of suits in New York City. I have this yeah. visual from one of the summers, like 80, 85 degrees in the middle of the summer, walking the street, going out to get lunch and just 
seeing the sea of suits and being, I don't want to be one of, one of the suits. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, real estate for me was a pretty logical next step, mainly because of the tangible asset class. So I, I, I like the idea that we're creating something you're, you're, you're taking into account people and their, be, their behavioral patterns. And um, I found a lot, I found it interesting, but it was still, when I graduated, it was still a bit corporate and slow moving. And um, it was in that, actually in that time, the, the year to two years after I graduated from college and I had that job in real estate, that my entrepreneurial endeavor kicked off. And it's where, when I, when I had the idea and when I really started to dig my heels in on it. Gotcha. And then Wallaco comes around 2013. What sparked the idea to create this brand, the inspiration? Yeah. So, you know, as I, as I mentioned, having been an athlete forever, uh, I think the thing that was most important for me was when I reached the pinnacle, I reached college lacrosse, I was elected the captain of my team my senior year. And I just really loved that group of people. I, I was so passionate about it. I was passionate about the journey of you know, waking up early, putting the work in, you know, and, and at the end of the day, like you're probably not even going to win that championship that you, that you work so hard to, to try yeah. to accomplish. So, you know, there's something about that journey. And as I was getting ready to graduate, I kind of had a self a conversation with myself and I, I pretty much just said, if I can't, if I can't find something that I'm not equally passionate about as I am this group of people and this, this team and this process, then I'm not doing myself justice. So mm-hmm. automatically, I think I, a lot of what a lot of people go through when they're reaching the end of their college career is like, oh, now what? Uh, how can I be happy? That was the conversation I had and that was kind of the standard that I set. So, um, so I think that's where the entrepreneurial bug came from, was, was having that standard set. But I think beyond that, when I moved into the real world and I put athletics behind me, I was now immersed in the real world and, you know, corporate culture. And there were certain toxic things about it. It was very sedentary. And, um, you know, a lot of my friends were just like, yeah, you know, you kind of hang up the cleats and you get lazy and, and, and your health suffers. And like, that's just what happens. But for me, that didn't really sit well. And uh, I became kind of obsessed with this active lifestyle and how important it was for me to achieve my highest potential. And I started finding ways to stay active around my, my full-time job. I realized it was very difficult to do that. And eventually you know, I started thinking, you know, there's not really a brand that speaks to this integrated active way of life. And I think there's a really big opportunity here to speak to people like myself that, that want a brand that they can look to throughout this journey of, of living actively. And, um, and then kind of serendipitously, I had an idea. I left my apartment to go for a run and it was pretty soon after Superstorm Sandy. So, um, that's kind of what it makes me remember. It was, the streets are very quiet and I, I realized that I'm running with my, my phone in my hand, I'm stuffing my apartment keys in my socks. And, and it was in that moment that I realized that there's gotta be a better way to store these things while I'm exercising and while I'm running. And that's when the idea of integrated to the, the compression short came to mind and when I had that idea I knew I knew that this could be the catalyst for something bigger and um, in that moment I became kind of obsessed with building this product does anyone else it's going to hinder me from entering the market um, and I just got to work and I became obsessed with this concept for sure and then your first creation 
was it the North Moore Short? And what was that, that product? Yeah. yeah, so the North Moore Short was a men's athletic compression short with sweat-proof compressive pockets built into it. And that was my solution to the, that problem I ran into when, when running. And um, I launched that on Kickstarter, uh, I'd say like a year after I had the idea. Spent a year prototyping, mailing, mailing prototypes back and forth from a manufacturer in Minnesota and testing it myself and getting it to a point where I felt I was ready to, to enter the market and ran a few small pre-sales with my, my brother who was helping me at the time, had some good success and then we're like, all right, we got to go bigger. So we took a Kickstarter and then, and then on Kickstarter, we exceeded our goal by four, like 400%, wow. raised $120,000 in, um, in like 30 days. And that was just the beginning, you know, that was okay. We have something here. Um, now how can we turn this into fully functioning brand and e-commerce business that makes, that drives revenue on an ongoing basis. And it's not just a, a singular campaign. For sure. At this time, was it only you and your brother helping out? For the most part. Yeah. You know, there was, uh, was my brother was getting ready actually to go to medical school. So we had this like window of time where he was interning for someone he actually played lacrosse with me at Harvard, so he's a year behind me. And he had this this kind of year and a half where he was taking his MCATs and prepping for medical school. And, and he was like, "Yeah, like I've, I've got time. Like let's let's do this." So he helped me get it off the ground. Uh, it was really just us. And I had you know one buddy who was who I consider to be kind of a an important advisor early on, who really helped me understand the this idea of like the lean startup. And this idea that there really aren't boundaries now, like these days, there's no, there's nothing holding you back from getting started. There's nothing holding you back from just pushing forward and, and collecting information and data from customers and using that to fuel your early momentum and progress. And um, he was very instrumental in mm -hmm. more than anything, helping guide my mindset through it. Yeah. At this time, how were you marketing your products? I use my networks. I always say that, um, you know, it's easy to get caught up in, in the sexiness of, oh, PR, yeah. social media advertising. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that many entrepreneurs overlook is, is the embedded network that you've, that you've kind of grown up with to some mm -hmm. degree. And I, it's one of the things that I found empowering actually, you know, I, I I didn't take for granted the fact that, you know, I went to uh, an all boys school in New Jersey. It was very athletic, lots of, you know, men that, that could qualify as great customers that, that I knew through my time there. And then, you know, the entire alumni, alumni base, and then even Harvard lacrosse, but then also the sport of lacrosse in general. Um, yeah. So I, I tapped into these, these networks through partnerships and some professional lacrosse players and, um, and then started to embed, embed myself in the kind of New York city fitness scene. And, um, you know, especially five years ago, it was really just starting to bubble up and, um, put my product on the right people. And, um, you know, eventually we started hosting workouts in New York city, uh, which was a really great way to just put our actions where our mouth was mm -hmm. and really stand for the lifestyle and add value to customers and um 
that was really the first first phase. We weren't spending money really. Um, we were using email and just growing organically. Gotcha. In 2018, you guys began to launch some new products and expanded towards women. At this point, what were you guys offering? What, what were some of the new highlighted products, especially towards the women? What were you guys offering products? Yeah, yeah. so what we did was, as I mentioned, we started with just compression shorts. And mm-hmm. we've continued to f- stay extremely focused on, on that compression offering um, because I, you know, I came to find that it's, it's a bit of a, an under appreciated product segment in the active apparel category. Yeah. Um, so by bringing better quality functionality, durability to that, to that product category, um, you know, we were able to differentiate ourselves and be, become famous for something. So, you know, what I did really up until, you know, yeah, pretty much up until 2018, really 2017 was expand on the compression offering, improve the quality, add colors, add different lengths to it. Um, and then we added, you know, basic tops for men, like technical hooded sweatshirts, t-shirts, tanks. Um, and then more recently we, we did launch women's apparel and, um, it's been, it's been a good start, but we're actually doing, um, a little bit of an overhaul where we're bringing, bringing the design direction back to kind of match what we're, what we've done on the men's side a little bit more. Um, so we're pivoting a little bit with the offering, um, Mm -hmm. and really focusing back on this like technical, um, kind of compression concept for women. Um, and, um, you know, I'm doing some things to really streamline our supply chain and become, uh, you know, even a little bit more, you know, sustainably focused, you know, everything that I've built has been designed to last a lot longer than what's currently in the market, especially with large Mm -hmm. incumbent brands. So everything we do is, is, you know, has kind of that sustainable, mindset in terms of just longer lasting apparel. But, um, you know, we're looking for ways to really streamline our supply chain between men's and women's. And, uh, we're doing some exciting things on that right now. Gotcha. That was actually going to be one of my next questions. You kind of answered it. What are some of the new or not some of the new, what are something, some things that separate you from your competitors besides kind of what you mentioned, which you pretty much nailed it on the T, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's a, it's a big part of it. I mean, at the, at the top of it all for us, it's about being, um, being like a more conscious kind of a, the better, kind of the better for you active apparel brand and building, building what the future needs to look like in an active yeah. apparel brand. And, and for us, it's really comprised of the way that we connect with our customers, um, mm-hmm. by being more transparent in the way that we communicate, uh, about the lifestyle, but also about the product that we make. So bringing transparency to our marketing, opening up um, our supply chain to our customers, letting them know them know where our products are coming from. Um, and and then you know, on the you know the customer side of it, also um, building community, leveraging media to mm-hmm. communicate more frequently, um, and develop a more engaged kind of candor with, with our customer base. So, um, but I mean, even, even further on the, on the product front, we, um, you know, as I mentioned, product is all designed to last. One of the big problems I had as a, 
collegiate athlete is, you know, my compression shorts would just fall apart. Uh, yeah. Everything was just everything was made by big brands that were pinching pennies, cutting corners. So I wanted to deliver um, better, uh, better quality, longer lasting quality to an entire kind of active apparel offering. And uh, for sure, and that's what we've done. And you know, things like you know, two year structural warranties are built into all of our apparel, which is kind of unheard of in our in our space. Yeah. Um, and the cool thing is that we don't really rely on fast fashion. So we're not, you we don't need to be like cranking out new product styles and end up getting like shipped to TJ Maxx and, you know, in Canada, we're able to, um, build products that, that can live on our website for a long time. So, um, so yeah, just, just being, being more conscious and, um, you know, being, being a little bit more or being a lot more engaged with our customers through, through media channels and, um, building product that lasts a lot longer. For sure. Looking at Wallaco today, have you guys moved into retail at all? So we've, um, our strategy has been to focus on, uh, really focus on our online business. Um, yeah. we, we have hosted pop-ups. We have an, an incredible community in New York City um, where we host, you know, pre, pre-pandemic, uh, we host yeah. New York City's largest free group workout where we would attract, you know, anywhere from a hundred to 250 people, uh, at six 30 in the morning on, on a on what every Wednesday, um, wow. and we would do it out, out outside and try back on a, on a turf field. Um, so we've got this extremely engaged New York city customer. Um, and we have hosted extremely successful pop-ups in the city. We did one in November that went, that was awesome. And our plan, uh, post pandemic, uh, is to build a more frequent cadence. And yeah. my kind of vision is that I want to be kind of this like centralized, um, distribution, have a centralized distribution hub where, you know, our product is where we own kind of the, the space and the facility and we can distribute product for our online store direct to customers uh, for our e-commerce business, but we can also set, essentially have our pop-up um, store outfit within the warehouse. And what, yeah. what we're going to be doing is actually shuttling all of that equipment into a space where we can fill it for a month and activate and then pull out and then find another space. You know, in my opinion, that's, you know, that's the future. You know, you need to be nimble. Absolutely. Um, so we've got some plans to roll out a more active, um, flexible retail retail plan. I think eventually, eventually the goal for us will be to to get there. It's just a, yeah. it's a couple years. It's a couple years out, and it's. Um, but I, I really, with the media that we produce and the media that we're going to continue to produce more of, I actually envision a retail space where we are, um, you know, recording podcast recording video on camera stuff almost like a today's show um yeah today's show concept within our our storefront in new york city so that's what we're working towards that's awesome okay how many employees roughly 
do you guys have currently now helping you out? So there's six of us. Um, it's a small team. Uh, yeah. Um, we, but what we do is we actually, um, you know, we built a bit of a creative stable, we like to call it, um, you know, a stable of creators here in New York City that um, help to service the business and, and provide additional bandwidth. So photographers, videographers, video editors, um, you know, copywriters that are not part of the core team, but they, but they support the team. So um, we're still small. We've been, you know, we've remained really lean. And I think what, one of the things that makes us different um, is that we're a little bit of an insurgent brand, right? We didn't, we didn't go the um, straight to VC route. Uh, yeah. And it's something that we kind of, that we pride ourselves on. And, um, you know, because we're trying to build a really long standing brand and, you know, retaining ownership and, and being methodical about it is, is important. Um, if you really are it truly are in it for the, for the long haul. For sure. Looking back at the development, what would you say is the most important factor to take into account when creating a clothing brand? Hmm. Um, I think it, one of the things that's important to take into, <laughs> take into account is that um, it is expensive. I mean, I think yeah, for sure. um, you're not in order to sell apparel, you know, you're not just manufacturing one consumer product, even just for one singular style, you've got maybe, you know, three or four different colors in, you know, five different sizes. So you've got this kind of um, complex program of inventory that you have to manage. And you got to find a way to sell every, every corner, every corner of that, that grid from like small in the, the most kind of obscure color way that you've ever run. Mm -hmm. like double XL, like you have to find a way to sell all, all of these, these, yeah, for sure. These units. Um, so it's, you know, it's a challenging, um, it's a capital intensive business and, um, it's important to understand that when, when getting into it. And, and I do think, you know, if you're, if you're looking to start lean, or if you're looking to just get started, I do think the way that we've done it is a, is a good model and that we've started really, really focused. Like even today, I think we have, 15 styles um you know by the end of next year we we plan to double that um but you know we're finally we're finally in a phase where we're really kind of expanding our product offering but um it took us a took us a second to get there um yeah because it's it's a it's a tricky tricky business for sure Okay, if you could give one piece of advice to an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Something that you've learned along your way? Um, I just think, I think passion and purpose are really everything. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's, there's the feasibility of, of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. And it's important to be aware um, of whether or not, you know, what you're working on is a dead end or, or not, because as an entrepreneur, you got to be nimble. You got to be willing to pivot. You got to be willing to, to move quickly and move, move past things. Um, 
then of course the other end of the spectrum is just persistence and pushing through. Um, but I think there's a difference between being kind of ignorant to whether or not something is feasible and, you know, um, and being persistent. But I think, Absolutely. but I really think passion and purpose, because those are the things that, that keep you going. If, if, you know, passion is great, but then if there's a layer of like real purpose and connectivity to, um, to you and to what matters to, to you as a person, you know, you're, you're just setting yourself up. It's you, you, you're setting yourself up with, with a little bit of a superpower. And, you know, if you're raising money, uh, or if you're just being tested along the way, like that's the thing that's gonna, that's the, that's the, the layer that you can tap into. Yeah. Um, and I would just say like, be really aware of that. If you're, if you're trying to get started, like, do, is that there? Um, if it is like, great, like more of the reason to, to give it a go. For sure. Well, Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. And for the listeners out there, make sure to check out Wallaco at wallaco.com. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you are listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.